0: Hello, and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 56. Today we'll be discussing the 12th episode of season three, Meltdown. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Meltdown. Talon is attracted to a son with a siren song, and the crew struggles to keep him out of the sun while dealing with an incorporeal villain and a gas that acts like adrenaline, causing Stark to lose touch, Kreis to become an alpha captain, and John and Aaron to get really handsy.
1: Meltdown is a pretty basic Monster of the Week episode. So basic that there's not really even a twist with the villains or the bad guy. But the fun part of it is is that it has this mind altering trope going on. And for John and Aaron, it's like essentially sex pollen, which is just plain fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy this episode because it feels kind of like a lighter version of Crackers Don't Matter, which I mean does really have pluses and minuses because like you said, as an episode it's really monster of the week, really basic. But at the same time it has all those kind of nearly wacky hijinks, you know, mm-hmm. where everybody is acting just slightly off and it's a, that makes it a lot of fun. Plus we have a different crew configuration than we did in Crackers Don't Matter, because in Crackers Don't Matter we had, you know, our basic Moya crew, including Zan. And in this one we have Krace, John, Aaron, Stark and Rigel characters who already have a lot of tension going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and especially since some of the the tropes that come out with, like, Krace becomes the Alpha Captain, and Stark goes even crazier than he already is. It's just, like, upping characteristics of them all up to 11. And at first it's kind of subtle, and then it kind of just hits as, it, as the episode goes on. So the plot itself is fairly straightforward. They're flying through space. They're near a sun. As happens, they periodically go through solar systems. And Talon suddenly starts diving for the sun's corona. Obviously, this is not good for the ship or the people on the ship. And he can't stop himself, though. Nothing Krace does will will have him go away. So the cold open of it, before we get too far into it, is Krace and Zalax actually on a planet. And it's like the end of relativity. Mm-hmm. And Crace is like going to shoot Alex, but then he's like making a deal with her. And then suddenly he's looking up at the camera and it's like, that's what you think happened, John? Really?
0: <laughs> it's, so- it's such a good open. Because it's, to be honest, when it first happens, it feels very visceral and real. They're playing it completely straight. And as an audience, that is kind of what you think happened because we didn't see Zalix's body. Mm -hmm. And so we don't really know what happened with her. And
1: it's like what John thinks happened also. Like he doesn't think Krace followed through and killed Zalix.
0: Yeah, you can tell that it's Krace being like, so then you think I just let her go. And John is like, yeah, yeah. And this (laughs) goes back to my thing of like, I enjoy the tension between Krace and John, but I think I enjoy it more as like, Two alpha men who are very different. Like Crace is very, very military, and John is very, very scientist. And so I kind of enjoy that dynamic. But I'm kind of like John: either you trust Crace or you don't. And if you don't trust Crace, then why are you on Talon to begin with? <laughs> He's stuck on Talon. Where is he gonna go? Uh, yeah, but you <laughs> see what I'm saying, right? No, I know, I know.
1: It's true. But he- also, Aaron is there, and really, John will put up with Crace's bullshit. Just because Aaron is there.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So that scene is basically interrupted by Talon taking a nosedive towards the sun. And Talon is able to like pull himself out of basically doing a direct dive and goes into orbit, a close orbit around the sun. But the close call has impacted all of his systems and there's damage done everywhere and they have to do a tier by tier search to see where all the damage is and one of my favorite early comments from john is like talon has great amount of power but he has a crappy electrical system if it keeps breaking down
0: (laughs) yeah which is interesting because there's a couple of things going on here i think the one of them is as aaron points out talon is still really really young and so aaron thinks that as talon grows his electrical system will become more robust and he'll be able to withstand a hit. But at this point, as John's as John kind of points out, it's one hit and Talon is lights out. Mm-hmm. You know? They get they get pretty close to the sun, but not like that that close. And still Talon is completely fried.
1: Yeah. Well the atmosphere of our sun is hotter than its surface. So it might be true of that star too. Yeah. In any case, the point being is that Talon is systems down. And my other thought on that comment was is kind of a meta comment from the writers of being like, so we're going to explain Talon having all these problems when he shouldn't have all these problems by the fact that he has crappy wiring. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's actually a good point. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's just... Yeah. Well, okay. But then that's interesting because 90% of Moya's plots don't involve her breaking down right like most of moya's plots are like the crew goes somewhere and things happen
1: but then now that
0: i think about it most of talon's plots are talon is broken in some way which can be kind of explained with how how he was introduced in season three with you know him already being broken and
1: yeah with the retrieval
0: squad yeah and the retrieval squad and also because the crew is being hunted, because this specific crew is being hunted by the retrieval squad, it does make sense that they don't, they can't really have those same go down to a planet and wacky hijinks happen mm-hmm. that yeah. the a crew can. Yeah, and,
1: and that's something that Aaron does mention too. Is like he was hurt by the retrieval squad. He's recovered a lot, but he's not fully recovered too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, John and Aaron go down to find that the secondary control node is completely (laughs) fried and we as an audience see that there's some weird gas seeping in Mm -hmm. stark finds the same gas and he hears a woman's voice and i want to play a clip when we cut back to aaron and john who are trying to repair this secondary control node
2: you know there's someone who used to look down her nose at tech work you're pretty damn good at this Well, perhaps people can change. Well, at least some people are smiling around here these days. Yeah, I know. It suits your face. I was talking about you. Me? I'm not smiling. Yes, you are. Pay attention to your work. Right. Focus on the work. And don't do that. I'm working here. Stop distracting me.
1: I'm
3: distracting you.
2: Yes, you are always distracting me. Well, then you are easily distracted. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm not. Oh, really? OK, that's a little distracting.
3: And it's something I did. Could be. What's something
2: like? This. <laughs> you said, pay attention to the work.
3: Sorry,
2: I won't distract you any further.
0: (laughs) Yum. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Aaron is totally not sorry at the end right there. Yep.
0: This whole scene is really good because at first we're not sure if it's kind of the same feeling as relativity, where it's these two characters who have spent two and a half seasons not being able to really touch each other Like this, like a couple, you know, where it's easy. And then all of a sudden it's like a dam breaking. So now they can completely touch each other. But then like that sexy music in the background, like, okay, (laughs) this whole scene is like, this isn't, this isn't like a favorite episode of mine, but you have to go back and rewatch it alone because of the sheer sexiness of like (laughs) John, like putting his hand on her stomach and like, just like his thumb brushing her, like the skin. Mm -hmm. And you're like, all right, then. Thanks for low-core porno, farce cake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then once Erin gets into it, she does the pop and snap where she, mm-hmm. she you know drops the wrench so that her ass can be in his face and then picks it up. Yeah. And then the look on her face, like the coy biting of her lip, the turning towards him, not sorry whatsoever. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying about it being like the sex pollen for the two of them, this mist, and it's amping up what's already there. Because you yeah. s- it's it's not everyone's affected and has a huge libido. It's the two of them, because they're already feeling that, that's what gets turned up to 11. And you see them all throughout the episode. They're touching each other. Aaron is standing in front of John. He's got his arms wrapped around him. They're sliding their hands up and down each other, even while they're having a conversation with Crace. They're just always in each other's space. And it's, yeah. that's what's fun about this episode.
0: Well, and we find out why right now, which is that after mm-hmm. they finish doing kind of fixing this secondary control node they go back up to command and craze is acting a little bit off and they're like hey so what's up with this mist that's leaking and he's like so talon has this mist which is called Trexin. <clears throat> and apparently it essentially acts like adrenaline for talon and because of it like overheated or something and it came through the pipes so now it's just leaking into the (laughs) ship
1: i think it was because if it turns into an acid from being something something then it'll it'll eat through the seams and that's another comment that john's make makes about poor design
0: (laughs) yeah which okay since Talon is essentially like the first prototype of a hybrid i mean my assumption would be that if it like if he was still in PK hands, this would essentially be just like the first attempt. And then they oh, would yeah. continue refining. Like so on the one hand, I feel you that this is like not <laughs> super well designed, but also it's not really designed at all. Do you know what I mean?
1: No, I know what you mean. He's he's uh he's a first generation. But at the same time, it's just it just kind of points me back to that meta thing of like, something's gone wrong. How do we make <laughs> it go wrong? Well, let's do this impossible stupid thing. And then they're kind of lampshading it.
0: Yeah, that's true, and it, it it still is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm
1: not I'm not like critiquing the episode for it because I actually kind of enjoy it because I think it's I think it's funny that they're calling attention to to these kind of tropey things. You know, it's a very classic science fiction problem. Something's wrong with the ship. Well, what's wrong with the ship? Something dumb because we can't think of anything clever.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It reminds me a lot of like every Star Trek episode that begins <laughs> with like this thing happened and so we're just gonna spout off all these gibberish words and you're like isn't the enterprise supposed to be like the best ship in the entire <laughs> fleet like just why as is- goes
1: to show take your car to the shop <laughs> you will regret it if you don't maintain it very well
0: <laughs> oh man that's true so anyway we find out that it's adrenaline and Crace lists off all the things it does to talon and John is like, okay, but is it going to do those things to us as he's like being all handsy with Aaron? Mm -hmm. And then the thing is, is clearly he and Aaron realize what is going on because they're bright cookies. Grace, on the other hand, is just getting increasingly aggressive. So it's kind of like the adrenaline, which is, or I mean, the Trexan, which is essentially adrenaline, is affecting them all in different ways because they all feel like it's life or death. And so Aaron and John are trying to mate, which is what we saw them do in the flax when they were on Death's Door. So I'm like 100% in character for them. (laughs) Krace is just going off the deep end again, which reminds me a lot of the season one, Krace. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Rigel is just eating. Everything. uh, Everything in sight. Stark, on the other hand, is hearing this voice. And at first, you're not sure if it's Stark just being nuts because it's Stark. But he follows this voice to uh, what looks like a pilot's den. And while he's there, he finds a woman whose name... um, Syrchana. Syrchana? Syrchana. Syrchana.
1: Syrchana. Syrchana. That sounds right. (laughs) So bad (laughs) with names. I'm so sorry.
0: No, I think it's like, it's a hard name. I had to type it out based on subtitles because it's like... Sirjna. So anyway, he finds Sirjna, who's like super beautiful. Like, she looks like a glowing elf queen.
1: She's at first transparent, too. So she's mm-hmm. like this ghostly figure. And at first, you're not quite sure if she's the mist itself. You know, like, like the builders. Mm-hmm. What's his name from Look at the Princess? Yeah. And coming from the mist. But she's she looks incorporeal, and then she's solid.
0: Yeah. And so... Stark is, like, talking to her, and she says that there's this evil being named Macquillus, and he's been attracting all of these Leviathans to the sun, where they nosedive into the sun and die. And she was on one of those Leviathans, and then he saved her because he thought she was really pretty. And this is kind of like that whole... Beauty and the Beast thing because up on command, Crace, John, and Aaron have met Macquillus, and he looks like a lava monster.
1: He looks like a villain from Buffy. He looks like a demon straight out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: Yeah, think that's a really good. Yeah, he really does. He looks straight out of Buffy. So, and then he's like, "Oh, you guys should leave. I just happen. I just happen to live in the Corona." <clears throat> and then
1: this is a siren star.
0: No explanation. No Random. explanation whatsoever. <laughs> and then you're like waiting for the twist or something.
1: The twist never comes. Yeah, this is Stark. she explains. Sierjna. This- Sierjna, she-, she explains to Stark like there's this. Whole- he's been paid by this competing shipping company to kill the viathan so they can sell their ships for war. Which another. It's just like what, what? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, how many Leviathans are there? I don't think that they're that common.
1: I know, right? Because so, we've
0: we've yet to run into another one. Yeah. <laughs> like another so. wild one.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so it's just it's
0: a monster of the week.
1: There's a monster. There's a pretty girl. They're on <laughs> two sides. They've made contact with two parts of the crew. And uh and we go from there.
0: So Crace goes completely like not actually because he's actually and this is the funny thing is like you're expecting the punchline to be that like oh it turns out mccullis isn't actually bad and he was trying to help them or something because crace immediately is like get off my ship and he starts screaming at him and firing weapons at him shooting and, him yeah and so you're kind of expecting like oh it's gonna turn around that mccullis actually was trying to help them but no no he's not he's just <laughs> <evil>.
1: <laughs> well he's a mercenary right you know he's yeah. just being paid to do, do this thing and he doesn't care meanwhile Serjna she wants to Stark to rescue her she wants his help very badly she is basically has been this prisoner so I'm going to play their, their next little conversation
2: you don't know what it's like to to be trapped forever in the light of the sun
1: not to be able to feel, to touch your only companion, a monster take me away from him I want to walk on a planet again, I want to breathe its air, I want to drink its cool water. Give me back my life!
3: I can't. You've already passed beyond life. Siegner. you perished with your shipmates. M'Quillis trapped your soul between realms.
2: It's not true. I. You can see me. You can touch me.
3: See, Ishna, I am a stikerah with certain talents. I can help you cross over to the next level.
2: To death? No. No, I'm alive. I'm here. I'm real again.
3: You can never be real again in the way you wish. I can only release you
2: i don't believe it you the ship you you brought me back i'm whole again i
1: won't give that up so she's already gone it's kind of sad and i guess if if you want to call that the twist it didn't feel very twisty to me but but that's the surprise that she's she's actually already dead and only stark can see her because he is a stakira and deals with the dead
0: yeah, I agree. It's not like a twist twist. It's just kind of like because it also happens relatively early and you're not super invested in Siergna because you're kind of convinced the whole time that maybe she's evil. Right. <laughs> so then some really wacky things happen, which is that Macquillus shows up because Stark has taken Sierzna to see Rigel so that she'll finally believe she's dead because Rigel can't see her. And Rigel is just, like, eating, and he's like, go away, you're crazy, but he's also, like, exploding from food. (laughs) And then McCullough shows up, and Stark is like, this actually I did like, because Stark spends so much of his time on this show being, like, the comic relief and in this moment, you really see him as a Stygira. Like, partially, yeah, he's helping her because he likes her. But also, fundamentally for him, it's about helping the dead pass on. And so he kind of has this really great moment where McCullis is like, I'm going to kill all of you and then I'm going to take her back. And Stark is like, no, I'm going to help her pass on because I am a Stygira and I have the power. You know, and it was a really strong moment for Stark, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then after that, though, Stark... Actually, it does go off the deep end because then Stark decides that he is going to become the pilot for Talon so that he can get them away from the sun, Mm -hmm. which is, okay, Stark. (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes into this pilot's den and he says to, to, to Talon, I will be your pilot now. So all of these like all of these wire rope vein things stick into him. And then he's like floating. I don't get the floating. Why is he floating? I think they're actually like holding him up, which makes I it kind of grosser to me.
1: It's like so weird, though. I mean, Pilot doesn't float.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I. on the other hand, maybe it's like Pilot's a lot heavier. So like the pressure, I, I think it's just that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they wanted a cool effect.
0: <laughs> yeah, they wanted a cool effect. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think that's the thing that bothers me. In this episode, like I let a lot of this one, you know, there's a lot of little things, but whatever, it's a fun episode. But just the floating Stark is the one where I'm like, really, really, that's what you're going to go with. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but yeah, so it- he bonds with Talon, becomes his pilot, and takes away navigational control. And he's like, bringing them out of the corona. They're making their escape, and they're going to get away. And so once they're on their way out, he tries to help Siergna cross over into the next realm, except it doesn't work. And Stark's like, what? What? What's going on? This should definitely have worked, but it doesn't. And that's when Macquillus shows up again and says, you know, you have to come back with me.
0: So Macquillus is like, you you have to come. You're going to come back with me. This ship is going to die. And it turns out that Macquillus is the one that's trapping Siergna, that Stark can't help her move on. Because Macquillus has her owns her soul in some way. He's like mm-hmm. he has her soul. So, meanwhile, up on command, Aaron, Crace, and John have found where Macquillus is in the Corona, and they were about to blow it up when Stark took over. So then, Aaron and John go back to the secondary control node to try and like do something to try and regain control. Meanwhile, Crace. Decides he's going to go enlist our resident, like, vent crawler. (laughs) And it goes pretty hilarious.
3: Stark is a mutineer. He's also had a very thrilling mind. Came in here and had a conversation with that wall. Must be the mist making him see things. Rigel, Stark has taken control of Talon. He must be flushed out Mm -hmm. so I can take back command. Well, go ahead. I need your help, slug.
2: Please let me eat that
3: little piece, please. Now, you listen to me. Talon has sealed all the entrances to his den. But maybe you, being so small, can slip through a ventilation duct. (laughs)
2: Look at me,
3: look at my stomachs. I'm not slipping through any ducts. I am your captain. You're not my captain. This is a direct order. Dream on. If you don't obey my orders. Yes,
2: this mist isn't affecting you. If you do
3: not obey my orders right now and go to the pilot's stand and flush out the bannock, I will shoot you as a mutineer.
2: As you wish. Grace, come here. Why? Closer. This is secret.
3: If you try
0: anything, closer. <laughs> oh my god. I'm dying. Oh I don't know gosh. what
1: my favorite part of that is. Whether it's Rigel saying, please let me eat that little piece. After he's just stuffing his face, he just can't stop eating. <laughs> or if it's Cray saying, I am your captain and expecting Rigel to listen to him.
0: I love how he's like, "I am your captain," and Rigel's like, "You're not my captain." <laughs> well, and I love Grace kind of constantly using those like military terms of like, "He's a mutineer," you know, and yeah. I will shoot you as a mutineer. He's, you know, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Just- and then,
1: and then Rigel saying, "Okay," and then come closer, come closer, and Crace does. Oh my God, Crace! <laughs> Rigel's gonna bite your face off. Don't go closer.
0: I know, right? Never get closer to Rigel. Well, I mean, in Crace's defense, though, Crace has, like, like John and Aaron are just barely keeping it together. And Crace is also, in his defense, just yeah. barely keeping it together. Yeah. So, like, oh, man. I just love this Crace, though. Because this episode, okay, I think that this kind of gets at what this episode is for me. Because it's not as funny as Crackers Don't Matter. In Crackers Don't Matter, I spent a lot of time laughing. And then it was, like, intercut by, like, the, ugh, this is not okay. But in this episode, it was just kind of like, oh, like, wacky hijinks. But I wasn't, like, laughing laughing. And this Mm -hmm. was, like, the one scene where I was dying (laughs) because it's so well done. Because, like, Lonnie's whoopoo and he just kills it here where he's like, I am your captain. (laughs)
1: I think it also serves as a nice reminder of how far Crace has come. Like as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, it's very reminiscent of season one Crace, where he's out of his mind. He's driven by revenge. He's very single-minded, "Obey me or die" kind of mentality, and he kind of regresses to that with the with the Drexen, and so you can see, like you know how patient he's been with with Crichton throughout all of Crichton's accusations and dealing with all these people on his ship that he doesn't really like except for Aaron you know so it's kind of this nice contrast to get to see that side of him again to see the craze that we've come to know and how far he is from that person
0: yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it that it is like a nice contrast of who he's been and you know (laughs) Rigel
1: on the other hand (laughs) I'm still dying (laughs)
0: Well, okay. And the funniest part about Rigel is like right at the beginning when Grace comes in, Rigel is like, please make me stop eating. Tie me up. You know, please, please. Make yeah, me stop he's got eating. the
1: monster of all stomach aches going on. And I love that he says, you know, have you seen me? I'm not small enough to get in there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Oh,
0: man. So good.
1: Meanwhile, Aaron and John are still fixing things. And the next clip I want to play is just for its pure wordplay. So to set this up, they are on either side of the of the nexus point. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're talking to each other about their actual work. But the sexual innuendo just listen because it's entirely innuendo and it's kind of great.
2: are you done
3: i'm almost done i'm really close
2: close nearly there god i love you i love you too tell me when you're done i'm nearly done tell me when you're finishing uh, yeah yes
3: almost yeah last one finish <laughs>
2: No, 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 I mean bad Frel. Mr. Sun so wants talent.
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, so listening to that, could you really tell the difference between working on a conduit and frelling?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? I know. And it's so well played too because just they're they're killing it this episode. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it the, like their whole interactions like range from like like legit incredibly sexy to like kind of hilarious at the same time because they're constantly doing things like like she'll get on his lap and then shoot at things behind him (laughs) and like on the one hand it's like sexy on the other hand it's like lol
1: (laughs) yeah so they've gotten out of the corona and they were making their escape and then Sierra is taken back from Aquilus and Stark is unwilling to leave her there. So he actually goes back into the sun. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them were like, What are you doing? And he still has control of Talon's guidance system. So Aaron and John go up to the Nexus and all that hard work they just did, they shoot the control part of the wiring. So that now Talon is without any controls. Now they're like, okay, we have to get the rest of the control that we can from Stark, meaning the guns, so that they can shoot the beacon that is what is drawing...
0: Yeah, Leviathans
1: to the sun. Leviathans to the sun. And they've been trying to shield it, but now the pulse has changed and Macquillus has done something to make it more difficult to shield from. So they can't filter it out. So that's when they're interrupted there, they're going back to the sun. And the showdown that happens is actually kind of intense, really. And it's it's a pretty, I think it is a pretty good payoff for the episode. We mm-hmm. said it's kind of a basic episode, but they do hit their beats pretty well.
0: Before we get to the showdown showdown, essentially what happens is Stark has admitted that he kind of doesn't have control anymore and that the ship is going to go into the sun. And so Aaron and John immediately start having sex because... They're like, whatever, I guess all we have to do is wait for the end. And then Rigel's still eating. Stark is all sad because he can't help Siershna. And Krace is just going nuts. And then Aaron and John kind of wake up and they have this moment of like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) No, no, no. This is just the mist talking. So you kind of get the feeling like right in that moment that if they didn't have this mist, this episode would have been very, very, very different. Mm hmm. And so they kind of snap back and they're like, okay, we have to save ourselves. (laughs) And so they go do different things because otherwise they will not be able to save each other. Aaron tries to go get Crace. And I want to play that quote right now because it's hilarious.
3: Ah! Crace. I can't get in. Tell him we'll not comply with my orders. And then Drexham has obviously driven him insane blast your way yes give me your gun perhaps not do not question my decisions. i am your captain and i order you i am your captain
1: (laughs) and what's great about that is he has a gun in his hand that he's using to bang on the door and that's why Aaron is like, when he pulls his pistol on her to say, give me your gun,
0: she's like, uh, you've lost it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> John, meanwhile, is up in command. And he starts talking to Stark because he wants Stark to give him back a little bit of control. And there's a couple things that happen here that I think we're going to talk about right at the end. But the first one is John and his silver tongue
2: yes,
3: that's gone. failed failed you,
2: Yes, and you have failed gloriously, Stark. And I want you to fail again. I want you to give me control of the consoles. I want you to give me some control.
3: She came to me for help. when he do, but I could have done more.
2: Stark, I am coming to you for help. You are going to give me control or I am gonna rip off the other side of your damn face!
3: There's nothing you can do, Crichton. We're gonna be lured into that sun and we're all going to die
1: inside there.
2: That's because the bastard is luring us in, Stark! Okay? He's got bait and we can cut bait. We got a mother of a cannon. So I want you to give me back control. I was zeroing in on the damn power source when you turned out the lights. You remember when we met? Rip down memory lane? Stark! My side, your side, my side, your side, my side, your side!
3: Uh, I tried to help you then, but I failed. Scorpius put a chip in your brain. I failed.
2: Stark! Blow the damn Aurora chair! Let's talk about the good times, huh? Do you remember Zan, Stark? Let's talk about Zan. I tried to help her, but I couldn't. Well, she would piss on your grave right now. You want to know why? Soul, because Erin is my Zan. She's my Zan in every way I love her and I would die for her. And you know what? Stark? You're killing her. What? Me. You're killing her, you freakazoid psycho bastard. You are killing my Zan.
1: Stark really does pick the most inopportune times to go on a guilt trip
0: yeah yeah well and i like how john is clever enough here to invoke xan whose mm-hmm. death is still fairly recent
1: yeah and making the comparison between xan and aaron the two people that they love and it's kind of also reminiscent of i don't know stark has this weird fascination with aaron too at, th- at times Yeah, like we've mentioned it or uh, several episodes ago i can't remember which one word she's in the pilot's den I think it's still when they're still on Moya right afterwards, mm-hmm. and you know he's being a little creepy around her. But yeah, so there's that 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 connection that John is able to draw out in Stark to get him to wake up to say, "Okay, look, we actually need to do something, even if it's a de- desperate situation."
0: Mm-hmm. John is he's he's got it together, but there's also this element, same as in Crackers Don't Matter, where you're not quite sure how much together he's got it. So then they end up, Aaron comes back to command. And then she and Stark have a conversation, which I think will have a different payoff later. And yeah. I got some
2: control back. Let me show you. I love it when you take control. This is Rex, I'm talking. No, it isn't. I can manually prime the cannon. I'd love to see that. Talon's cannon. I'm stoked, not stupid. Do it. <laughs>
3: We've only got one chance with it, John. We're too close to the Star. We've got one chance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, check this out.
2: A throbbing pulse of energy coming straight into your living room. I got it.
1: Stark, are you still there?
3: You're just like Zen in so many ways. If you say so, I am going to manually prime the main cannon. Crichton has located a target. Please prepare Talon to fire. Would Zen approve of this use of violence? She's speaking through me now, it is her wish.
0: And the face Aaron makes when she's like, she's speaking through me now. It is her wish. Is it's like, very obvious that she's like, okay, whatever it takes to get him to do what we want.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I like the first part of that conversation. I pulled that because it's more of the sexual innuendo going on as they're working through problems that I just adore <laughs> with this episode.
0: Okay. Here's my question, though. Uh-huh. Do you think she really likes it when he takes control? Because like, he turns it into like, sexy, but then she's like, no, 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 I, I do, even... Look out the Drexen.
1: Yeah, I could see it because, you know, it's not uncommon for people who feel like they always have to be in control once they find someone that they trust to it feels good to let go of that control because they're not, you know, that strain of keeping it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And also, I think that probably Aaron wouldn't want to be with somebody who constantly needs her to be in charge. I mean, yeah. even though they they have had a lot of head-to-head battles over you don't get to make decisions for me. But at the same time, I think it must be nice to have an equal, like a partner versus mm-hmm. a, you know, underling.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, decision making is one thing. But being in control, especially if it's a sexual situation, is is different than making life decisions for somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I could see that for her. And it's, I don't think she's necessarily submissive. But, you know, being able to, to let go a little bit, I think that's more where I see it coming from.
0: Mm-hmm. So anyway, the point that I want audiences to listen to is the point where Stark is all like, you're just like Zan in so many ways. And he I'm is like, so creepy. So creeper. And it builds and builds from here on. But yeah. also, I'm like, I literally can't think of two characters that are less similar than Zan and Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're similar in that they both care about Talon and Moya, but they are very different people
1: <laughs> they're very different people well that kind of goes back to what we were mentioning earlier with stark's strange fascination with aaron and it feels almost like she's the other woman so she, she he's latching onto her because of it mm-hmm. and i don't know it's it is a little creepy and like i still like stark i don't like it turns me off a little bit but it, he's just that strange weird person because mm-hmm. he's been tortured, because of his ability to absorb things from the dead, and it warps him. And, you know, I have I have some sympathy for him, but at the same time, he's a little weird, a little creepy. Oh, yeah.
0: Very weird. Weird guy. Yeah.
1: So, Macquillus shows up right before they're going to shoot the cannon to beg, basically, for some of them not to shoot and destroy him and the beacon. And he's like, just go. I'll let you go if you just don't do it. And... Aaron asks at one point, well, what about other Leviathans? And he's like, why do you care about other Leviathans? And clearly that is the wrong answer. (laughs) And Aaron even says that is the wrong answer. And they're like, okay, screw you. We're going to shoot now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they do.
0: So they do. And then Siergna is free or at least free enough that Stark can help her pass on. And then we cut to everybody being a little bit better.
1: And one of those cuts goes to Krace and Stark at the end, and Krace is helping detangle Stark from Talon's systems basically with a knife, cutting him free. And here's their conversation.
3: This apparatus was not designed for any species but a pilot's. What you did was beyond foolish Stark. Hold still. Oh, you kept me. You moved. Talon is now off limits to you All functions, all programs, all controls I know You know nothing I know how he feels What he thinks About everything About you (laughs) Talon was not of his right mind Anything you think you experienced Must take that into consideration I know. Even if you slit my throat,
1: I will still know. So, here's my question. What is it that Stark knows? He never clarifies. He just says, I know how Talon feels about you. And to me, the implication is that Talon doesn't like Kreis in some way. But is that really the case or not? Because Stark is not a reliable narrator either.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've definitely seen Stark lie often, and also he's not incredibly there himself. And also there is this, you know, Drexon that's kind of could have affected Talon's thinking and affected Talon's opinions because it affected everybody else's. So why wouldn't it affect the the person who is getting the most of it? Right. But I do think that Crace and Talon do not have a pure relationship. This is not Pilot and Moya. Mm-hmm. They do not have a good relationship. And so I think that I don't think it would be wrong to assume that Talon's feelings about Grace are not as positive as Moya's are about Pilot. Yeah,
1: and I could also see them being very complicated because Grace yeah. stole him as a baby, and so there's that father figure, you know, that guider mentor role that he plays for Talon but as Talon's grown obviously he's learned new things he's had the influence of Jon and Aaron and obviously Stark and uh, Rigel as well living on him for several mm-hmm. weeks now so how has that strained the relationship through all the things he's witnessed you know yeah so. well
0: I mean and Talon also just recently went through brain trauma essentially by having Aaron's mother cut him essentially mm-hmm. cut out his neural functions for a while right so
1: and crace was part of why they were after him yeah uh, the other thing i was thinking of was in green-eyed monster when crace mm-hmm. was getting all those abrasions because talon and he were disagreeing about what to do and mm-hmm. there was this neural neural conflict going on that was manifesting as abras- abrasions on crace's skin and apparently that had not been the first time that had been happening either
0: yeah Yeah. Well, and even in that episode, we weren't 100% sure if it was accidental, like if it was just because the two of them were disagreeing that it was causing the, you know, these abrasions or if Talon was getting angry and causing it almost on purpose.
1: As punishment. Yeah. It's a strange relationship. It makes it all very tense and very interesting because I think that's one thing that this episode does show again is the ambiguous role that Kreis is playing. Mm -hmm. Like we have that cold open with the fake conversation with Zalex is like where John's imagining him saying, imagining Kreis saying, I want Aaron and I want to be a peacekeeper again. And then you have, we get to see him again as the peacekeeper from season one. And then you have this ending where it's not all, not a happy home with Talon. Yeah. So, Yeah.
0: Well, and I don't know. And the fact that Krace seems to constantly be with Talon, like, you will do what I say. You know, it's constantly like this very captain, you know, lieutenant relationship of like, you're going to do what I want you to do. So I think it is interesting because Talon is a ship like Moya. He has his own neural functions and he is more powerful in a lot of ways than Krace's. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What worked yeah. with Talon as a kid isn't working with him as an adolescent. So Yeah,
1: so it makes it interesting, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty much the episode. What would you give it?
1: Uh, I'd give it a three. You know, it didn't blow me away. Lots of bits of it are fun. It's very pedestrian in terms of the plot, but, you know, it they hit all the beats. It didn't turn me off at all. I enjoyed watching it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going like 2.53. I was kind of you know, wiffle waffling myself, because like you said, it's not their most interesting plot that they've ever done. And they did like lampshade a lot of the issues that you might have with the plot. But at the same time, a, you know, a Farscape 2.5 or a Farscape 3 is still a lot better than most TV. So, <laughs> you know,
1: yep on uh, wardrobe watch i don't think we have anyone in any new costumes um, yeah, everybody's the same everyone's the same it's talon john so he's wearing the black t-shirt vest combination
0: all right next week we have scratch and sniff which oh yes if you have never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while go watch back it. and watch it
1: it's a very visual episode and it's worth it
0: so we will see you next week if you want to get in contact with us. We are Firescape Friday podcast at Dreamwith Tumblr and at gmail.com. We are Firescape Friday on Twitter. We will see you next week.
1: And leave us a review on iTunes so other people Ooh. can find us. <laughs>
0: yeah, do that, please. <laughs> All right.
1: Take care.